We are going to be talking about waking up today, waking up our faith. And since we're all sitting here, we're, we've all woken up this morning, so that's a blessing. And uh, hopefully you've had your chance to have your first cup of coffee anyway, and uh, hopefully you're lucky enough, as I am, to have somebody wonderful who makes you a cup of coffee every single morning, so you can wake up to that. So we're talking today more about waking up in a spiritual sense. And so as we've gone through these past few weeks, we've been talking about stop overthinking it. The idea of getting ourselves out of our own heads, not getting caught up in our own thoughts and overthinking everything, but rather putting our faith in Jesus Christ, putting our faith in Jesus, the one who can really lead us down the paths that we are meant to go. When we were here last week, we talked about being a growing Christian, that it was important that God calls us to growth, not to stagnation. We talked about things like asking the right questions, going to the right people to get your answers, and then making sure that you listen with an open mind and open ears, and that will promote growth. But we learned that the church was not doing that, that the church had started off well and had started going off on a wrong path. And in that case, they had been listening to false prophets and had stopped following the path that had originally been set forth for them. We're going to see in our scripture this morning that it's going to be somewhat different, that these people had started off strong, but then started going down on a path that was less than ideal. The church was looking good on the outside to the casual observer, people watching them, they looked like they were doing okay and that things were going well for them. But inside, in their hearts, there was something that was missing. Their spirit wasn't in what they were doing. And so when I was thinking about this, I was thinking how many of us have fallen asleep at, let's say, less than opportune times? You know, hopefully you're not falling asleep in church, although we've seen, we've, we've certainly seen people do that. Um, you know, falling asleep in the middle of a movie uh, I know that I'm a, I'm a champ for falling asleep during movies and during TV shows. And I, you know, I have a confession to make for myself. I have been known to carry on entire conversations while actually being asleep. I remember when my kids were littler, you know, I had, I had five of them and three were really close in age. And I would be waiting um, in the front room of my house for the bus to come home after school and the kids would come off the bus all excited to tell me about their day, and I'd be there to listen and ask questions. But I remember some days when I was just so tired that I'm talking and I'm responding to them, but I don't even remember the conversations later because, honestly, I was asleep while having these conversations. And, you know, my husband will certainly attest to the fact that I can even still today, you know, when I stay up past my bedtime for whatever ridiculous reason I have, and we're watching a show or something or just laying on the couch and my family can talk to me. I have no recollection of having these conversations because I'm, I'm asleep. I'm, I'm sleeping through these things. And, you know, that can really happen. It's not something I'm proud of. It's not something that we want to go through our lives. We don't want to go through our lives being asleep figuratively or um, in reality. So there are times, though, when we can look like we're awake but, but we're not. We're missing out because there's something that we're not fully involved and, and in tune with what's happening. I had read this story about a uh, stock car driver, Dale Earnhardt, 
and he was known as having, he was very calm, and he would have a, a low heart rate when he got into the beginning of a race. But there was one time when he was racing where he actually fell asleep at the wheel. So he's driving at 100 miles an hour, and he completely fell asleep, and he managed to go around twice, which is kind of scary. And he kind of bounced off the walls a couple times, never got hurt, until he pulled over to the side of the road, and he has no recollection of doing this. Driving 100 miles an hour, absolutely no recollection of it whatsoever. And that can happen. That can happen in our own lives. We can be busy. We can be pushing through our lives so busy with our hands on the wheel, our eyes are open, our foot's on the pedal, and we're cruising through, but we're really not fully awake. We're not 100% there. We're spiritually asleep. And even though he was able to go through these two two circuits, and I was able to have conversations with my family. When you're spiritually asleep, at some point, problems are going to happen. You cannot go through your life like that and not expect something to go wrong. And so we're going to see when we read our scripture this morning that that was what was happening in this church in Sardis. People were appearing to be faithful to a casual observer. There were eyes that were on this church, and they all, they all saw a church that was busy, they saw a church that was thriving. They saw a town that was doing really well for themselves. But God saw something different. God saw something in their hearts, and he realized that they weren't in, they weren't in it the way they, they needed to be. So I am going to be reading from Revelation today, uh, Revelation chapter 3. I'm going to be reading verses 1 through 6. So if you have a Bible app or if you have a Bible with you, um, here or at home, and you want to follow along. Revelation 3 says this, And to the angel of the church in Sardis write, The words of him who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your works. You have the reputation of being alive, but you are dead. Wake up and strengthen what remains and is about to die, for I have not found your works complete in the sight of my God. Remember then what you received and heard, keep it and repent. If you will not wake up, I will come like a thief, and you will not know at what hour I will come against you. Yet you still have a few names in Sardis, people who have not soiled their garments, and they will walk with me in white, for they are worthy. The one who conquers will be clothed thus in white garments, and I will never blot his name out of the book of life. I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. And this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So a little bit of background about the town of Sardis. It was the ancient capital of the kingdom of Lydia. It had been a wealthy area. It was known for its fruits and for its wool. And there was actually a river that was running through that they discovered gold in, and so they had formed gold coins. And so a lot of eyes were on this city, and they looked like they were doing really well. There was also a temple there to a pagan goddess, and so it was also a center of pagan worship. And tradition says that this church in Sardis was actually the first one that was converted to Christianity after Jesus uh, was resurrected and the church began to spread. And so as we come today to this letter, we know that some of them had remained faithful. There was a small number of people 
who were still in their faith and still going down the right path. But there was a great number, a vast majority perhaps, whose spirit had fallen asleep. Their faith had become sleepy and they were spiritually weak. And so the church had a reputation for being alive, for being busy, for being vibrant, but their hearts were not in the same place. And so their insides weren't really matching what people on the outside were seeing. But we know that as we can look at things, we can look at the lives of people, we can look at churches, we can look at institutions, we can look at families, and everything looks really nice on the outside. You know, maybe, maybe it's something we're even envious of, you know, the way somebody else is living their life. But God sees in our hearts. God knows what is underneath. God knows where our spirit is. He knows where our motivation is. And when he looked at this church in Sardis, and when he looked at the people there, he saw that they were spiritually dead, looked good from the outside, but their insides were not the same. And he wasn't happy with what he was seeing, and he was cautioning them. He was cautioning them, and he was saying, you know, hold on to what you have. You're letting your faith slip away. If you're not careful, if you stay asleep, I'm going to come. I'm going to come like a thief in the night, and you're not going to know And so don't let that faith slip away. Hold on to what you have before it's too late. And so this can happen in our own lives, right? Because we know that these letters that were written weren't just written to the church in Sardis. They were written to all the churches. And in the same way, they're written to the church, the body of Christ today. So there are lessons in here for us as well. And so we can relate to these kinds of things because there's sometimes when we can find ourselves asleep at the helm, kind of going through life, going through the motions, but our heart's not really in it, right? And we're not talking about physically being asleep. We're talking about that sense of of not being aware, not being aware of the things that are going on around you, not being aware of, of how our life is going, just being spiritually asleep. And then when that happens in our lives, we start to miss out. We let things slip between our fingers. We lose opportunities. We lose opportunities to be blessed ourselves. And then we also can lose opportunities to be blessings for other people. And so as we know that these messages are for us, and and hopefully we're all starting to, to think about ways that we can relate to this message ourselves, we need to think, how is it that we can avoid this? Or how is it that if we recognize, if we see that we're in a place where we're not, we're not all in, how is it that we can fix that? How can we get out of that? And so the first thing that we need to do is to recognize that there's a problem in the first place. And we talk a lot about, you know, the first thing is admitting you have a problem. I really think the first thing is actually recognizing that you have a problem. Because when you're asleep, when you're spiritual asleep, when you're going through the motions, sometimes you don't even recognize that anything is wrong at all until something happens. You get some kind of a wake-up call. And I am sure that all of us out here have at some point in our lives received that proverbial wake-up call. You know, not the one when you're staying in a hotel and you call the front desk and you ask them to, you know, ring you up at 6 a.m., but that sense of sudden awareness. You know, sometimes it happens gradually, but a lot of times it's like a a knock on the side of the head, this, this intense feeling of, awareness that you're not where you're meant to be. So I was having some conversations with people about this over the last few days, 
And I was asking my husband, Rick, you know, what, what comes to your mind when you think of receiving a wake-up call in your life? And he talked about a time when he was in college. And he was involved in doing tarot cards and Ouija boards and those kinds of things. Not completely unusual for college-age kids. And there was one day when he was with some friends and he just got this overwhelming feeling. This like a, like a voice in his head that just said, stop. And it was just God telling him, this is not okay. You are not going down a path that I have predestined you for, that I have planned for you. Stop. And he did. Never picked it up again. Then you can think about, you know, people getting a wake-up call about their health. And I was talking with somebody just the other day, and uh, he was saying that his wake-up call was when he was on the operating table. He was getting ready to have a stent put in his heart, and, the, you know, the doctor got up into his face and said, stop smoking. You know, a health scare, a health wake-up call can sometimes tell us that we're not doing the things that we need to be doing. And so for myself, you know, I'm sure I've had plenty of wake-up calls in my life, but the first one that really came to me was my time in college. So when I was in middle school and high school, I was a, I was a smart, smart student, I was pretty much straight A's, graduated like third in my class in high school. I didn't have to work super hard. Um, I was lucky that things came relatively easily to me. And then I went to college, and I realized that, you know, the best of the best of all the high schools, all the high schoolers were in college with me, and I was no longer, you know, one of the smartest in the class, and I could no longer just kind of float along, and I really kind of ignored that for a while, and then got to the end of my first semester and received a report card that, you know, certainly was not the straight A's I was used to. Um, but apparently that wasn't enough of a wake-up call for me because I didn't change my ways and I went on into my second semester and ended up at the end of my first year of college with um, like a 2.1 GPA and stuck on academic probation. And let me tell you, that was a wake-up call because education was important to me and I didn't want to let that slip away. It was also important to my parents who uh, responded by um, not paying for college for the next year for me. Um, they told me that, that I would be responsible for my own tuition until I was able to bring my grades up and, you know, in money, you know, finances can be a great wake-up call. And thankfully, when I went to school some years in the past, uh, college tuition was a little bit less than it is today. So I was able to work. I worked through my entire summer. I worked through my breaks and was able to pay my tuition. I was at the University of Massachusetts. But that was enough of a wake-up call for me that... Um, I, my grades went straight back up for the next three years, and I ended up graduating uh, like a 3.8 or something like that, um, cum laude. So that was a wake-up call for me, and I was able to take the, um, take the call and take some of the repercussions of that and kind of change my ways. So where is it in your life today? As we sit here today, are there any areas in your life where maybe if you think about it and you reflect on it, Maybe you could use a little bit of a wake-up call. You know, maybe it's your health. Maybe it's the way you're eating. Maybe it's your family. It's a relationship that maybe you've, you've kind of been ignoring for a while, but you can see maybe some signs that, you know, maybe your spouse is less than happy or, you know, your kids are kind of wandering off a little bit because you haven't been fully awake. Where is it that maybe you need a wake-up call? And could it possibly be in your faith? How is it with your soul today? How is it as you sit here today? 
Do you feel like you're spiritually awake? Do you feel that your spiritual life is as deep as it can be? We talked about growth last week, and we learned that, you know, every day we should be getting a little bit closer to God, a little bit deeper in our relationship. How is that going for you today as you're sitting here? Do you feel like maybe you need a bit of a wake-up call in your faith? Matthew 26, um, in speaking of the Garden of Gethsemane, when Jesus is, is praying and getting ready for his, his arrest and his, um, his crucifixion and his death, and he's with his disciples, and he had asked them to stay awake. And Matthew 26, 40 says this, Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Couldn't you men keep watch with me for one hour? He asked Peter, Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. So is there a place in your life where you want to be better than where you find yourself today? Can you recognize these areas? Maybe you're getting a wake-up call. Maybe you're getting a tap on the shoulder. Um, hopefully it's before you get to the point where, you know, you get knocked on the side of the head. But as soon as we recognize that we're not where we want to be, as soon as we recognize that we're not on the path that God had set forth before us, we need to repent. We need to do something different. And in order to do that, we kind of have to think and reflect on how we got to where we are in the first place. What was it that caused these people in Sardis? What was it or what is it that's causing us in our own lives to, to be a little bit left or right of center? What is it that's going on in our lives? You know, there can be many different reasons. Sometimes we're just, we get lazy, we get complacent. We feel like we've done everything that we need to do, that we've, we've maybe finally arrived at that apex and whatever it is. And we just kind of stop paying attention and we kind of drift off because we're complacent. We think that we're a completed work and we know that we're never a completed work. You know, God's still working in us all the time. Sometimes it's fear. Sometimes maybe we're catching a glimpse. Our grades are starting to go down or, you know, we're not feeling as, as connected to our spouse or, you know, our kids aren't talking to us quite as much. And we start to look at it and we think, oh, man, I don't, don't really want to go there. That's scary. There's, there's something I'm going to need to face. There's something I'm going to need to do. The work is going to be hard. And so sometimes fear can keep us from understanding and then repenting. It's like I said, if we don't know what we're doing, we can't turn around and go in the other direction and do something different. Sometimes we just get caught up in ourselves, right? We live in a a society where it's very um, self-focused, you know, trying to get ahead and doing our own thing. And, you know, sometimes we have blinders on and we're just really looking at our own wants and needs and maybe we're missing the things that are going on around us, you know, in our families or, or in our faith or in our church or whatever our setting happens to be because we're so inwardly focused. Now in Sardis, this letter... In this letter, Jesus tells the people exactly what he sees going wrong. He tells them exactly what they're doing, and he says it like this, I know your works. I know your works. I know what you're doing. You have the reputation of being alive, but you're dead. Wake up and strengthen what remains and is about to die, for I have not found your works complete in the sight of my God. So they had started strong. They had started full of the Holy Spirit. They had started being in love with Jesus, 
but at some point, they got caught up in their works, and they stopped working on their soul. They stopped working on their hearts. And so I'd like to suggest that what was happening here in Sardis was that the people were doing church, but the people had stopped being the church. And that happens to us. We get so busy. We know that there's so many things that need to get done. There's so many things that need to happen to make our, our lives work, to make our church work. And we can get caught up in those works. And we stop and we forget that we are called to be the body of Christ. We're called to be the church. We're not called to simply do church. And so we can get caught up. We get caught up in our works and we start to ignore our hearts. We look good on the outside. Matthew 23 says it like this. Woe to you, woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You are like whitewashed tombs, which look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside are full of the bones of the dead and everything unclean. In the same way, on the outside, you appear to people as righteous, but on the inside, you are full of hypocrisy and wickedness. So I don't know about all of you, but I don't want to go through my life simply doing the motions. I don't want to stand up here on a Sunday and simply read a message. I want to live the message. I want to preach the message. I don't want to go through my family life. I don't want to go through time with my kids. I don't want to do parenting. I want to be a parent. I want to be connected with my kids. I want to be connected with my family. I work at a school, and I, I can see that in myself sometimes. You know, we get tired, and we're going through the motions of going through the school day, and, you know, we're just kind of thinking, just got to get through the day, just got to get through the day. And so I... I tried to change my attitude. And in the mornings when we have the, uh, the Pledge of Allegiance and then there's always, you know, a moment of silence and I pray, Lord, just help me be present. Help me to have an attitude of presence. Help me to be who you want me to be and not just go through and do the things that I know I'm meant to do. You know, I don't want to just sit here on a Sunday and think that we're all set. You know, I've been here for an hour, I'm good. Because, friends, the world is a big place with a lot going on. And if that's all you rely on to build your spiritual life, if that's all you rely on to wake up your faith, you're going to find yourself falling off by midweek, if not before. We need to not just walk out of here and think we're set. We need to remember that the church goes on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. We need to wake up and be alive in that, not just think we're all set here. We need to make sure that we're, we're sincere in our, in our thanks, in our gratitude. You know, do we, do we even remember to thank God for the blessings in our lives? Do we maybe just kind of tick them off every once in a while? Or do we spend the time and get really deep in that? Are we deep in our gratitude? Are we deep in our praise? Are we deep in our thanks to God? And then how about our prayer life? How is our prayer life? We talked about this again last week. The whole idea of prayer being a back-and-forth conversation. You know, are you just going through and reciting the words? Are you just going through and saying maybe a morning or an evening prayer, maybe a prayer before meals? Or are you using that prayer time to really connect, to really get deep and to deepen your faith and to deepen that relationship that you have with Jesus Christ that he offers you? 
Are you deepening that? Are you awake in that? Are you paying attention to the things that are going on? Because repenting means that we need to see where we're going that's wrong, and we need to do a 180. We need to turn, and we need to do things differently. The scripture says, remember then what you have received and heard. Keep it and repent. So remember what you learned. Remember those words that you had at the beginning. The church in Sardis, remember when you were full of the Spirit and in love with Jesus Christ. Remember that. Turn away from what you're doing and go back. Return to that. Hold on to that. The only way that we're going to do that is to fix our eyes on Jesus. We need to take our eyes off of the world. We need to take our eyes off of that little you know, path that we're going down. And we need to just fix our eyes up above on the one who has placed the path there before us and who is best able to direct us down it. And so we need to examine our hearts. We need to open our eyes, wake up, look around us. What is going on in the settings that the Lord puts us in? What's going on in church? What's going on in our families? What's going on in our neighborhood? We need to start paying attention to that. Wake up, pause, look around. Stop being so busy doing, 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 and start being. Remember to be the body of Christ. Pick up scripture. Become not more disciplined in your prayer life, but more deep in your prayer life, more intentional in your prayer life, maybe more present in your faith. Because when we do that, when we do that, we can start to receive the blessings. All of a sudden, we're going to see opportunities that just pop up all around us when our eyes are open and we're fully awake in our faith. And so I was thinking, you know, there's lots of things that we consider really important in our lives. What are the things that maybe you set an alarm, maybe you set two or three alarms for, literally alarms, to make sure you don't sleep through? You know, is it work, church, school, a vacation? You know, make sure you don't miss your flight. I was thinking about some things that just seemed supremely important to me when I was a kid, and um, a couple things came quite to, quickly to mind, and I remember setting an alarm to, to watch meteor showers, right? Because the best time to see a meteor shower is usually at like 3 o'clock in the morning, and most of us aren't awake at 3 o'clock in the morning. So I remember setting alarms and trying to wake up so I could go outside and, and not miss this amazing opportunity, this once-a-year chance to see a meteor shower. Or I remember New Year's Eve, because as a kid, somehow you think that something magical happens when the, the clock switches from one year to the next, and... I wasn't allowed to stay up, so I would set an alarm to wake up five minutes before so I could, you know, what, lay in bed and watch that clock switch to the next year. But for some reason, that was just super important to me. And so I would set alarms to make sure I woke up and didn't miss this, this once-a-year opportunity. But what God is calling us to is so much greater than that. The opportunities that he is presenting so much greater than a meteor shower or a vacation or watching the new year tick from one into the next. The opportunities that we have through God are really the ones that we don't want to miss out on. We have an opportunity to have a relationship with Jesus. When we were singing the song, we talk about that blessing of Jesus being before us and Jesus being beside us and within us and all around us. You really want to sleep through that? really want to sleep through this opportunity of having this deep, present relationship with the God who is alive and living and offering you that every single moment of your day. You don't want to sleep through that. 
We don't want to sleep through opportunities to deepen our faith. We don't want our spirit and our, our uh, faith lives to be asleep because then we're going to miss out. We're not going to be able to receive the things that God promises for us, the peace, the comfort, the direction, that, that knowledge of him being right beside us through everything that we do and in all that we do. And we also don't want to miss out on the opportunities to serve others, right? We're called to be the body of Christ. We're called to be the body of Christ. And that's not just for ourselves. The blessings aren't just for us. The blessings for us are amazing and constant and alive and all around us. But we're also called to be blessings for other people. And when we are asleep, when our eyes are closed, when our faith is shut off, when our, our hearts and our souls aren't into what we're doing, think about the opportunities of people around you that you could be missing. When we are awake, our entire lives become opportunities to serve others, to, to strengthen the body of Christ, to build the kingdom of God as we are called to be blessings to other people. And so the scripture today really gives us God's promise. The one who conquers will be clothed thus in white garments, and I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. In other words, we have the opportunity, the privilege, the promise of being able to walk next to Christ, clothed in his righteousness, clothed in white. Think about that. That's an opportunity that you really don't want to sleep through. Matthew 10, Matthew 10 says it like this, whoever acknowledges me before others, I will also acknowledge before my Father in heaven. And so our lives become living, walking, breathing, awake opportunities to bring others to Jesus Christ and to share in those promises that we don't keep just for ourselves, but that we bless other people with. And so as we go this week and as we go into our lives and we go back into our homes and we go back to work, let's remember that the church doesn't stop on Sunday. Doing the church, perhaps, stops when you walk out the door, but being the church doesn't. Being the church walks out with you. Being the church and spreading the light and the love and the peace of Jesus Christ goes with you out that door. So let's remember, sometimes we can be prone to have a sleepy faith. It happens. Let's recognize it when it's happening. Let's not stay in that place. We don't want to lose sight of what we've been saved from. We have been saved from sin. We have been saved from death. We have been promised life eternal with God. We don't want to be asleep to that. We want to make sure that we're spreading that. We want to make sure that we are awake to what we're called to do, which is be disciples for Jesus Christ and to spread those things and to spread those promises in all the different places where God places us. So Ephesians 5.14 says, Wake up, sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. So if there's something that you can take from this message today, something that maybe can play into your head, think about that. Wake up, sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. And just the words of the song that we started out this message with, I'm just going to read them because it was, really struck me, and I jotted it down at the bottom, and it says, You called my name, and I ran out of that grave, out of the darkness, into your glorious day. My friends, we are being called by Jesus Christ 
the living, breathing Jesus Christ who is around us all the time to wake up, to be alive, to awaken our faith, to experience revival in our own hearts, and then to go out into the world and spread that blessing to other people. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your presence in our lives. We thank you that you are with us yesterday, today, tomorrow, that you just surround us. We are so grateful for that love that you have for us, that deep, deep love that you have and you just want us to share with you. Help us to deepen our relationships with you. Help us to be awake and open our eyes to the world around us. And if we need that wake-up call, Lord, I pray that it's gentle, but I pray that we get the message and that we wake up and we, we be the people you want us to be. In your son's name we pray. Amen.